0: It is Tuesday, September 6, and this is People Every Day. Hello out there, it's me, Janine Rubenstein. I hope you all had a fun and relaxing Labor Day weekend. That said, this weekend was anything but relaxing for the cast of Don't Worry Darling. We are, of course, going to get into everything that went down at the Venice Film Festival, including an alleged spitzident. We've also got Jesse Palmer joining us today to talk all things Bachelorette, following yesterday's big episode. There's just so much to get into, so let's dive right in. Tiffany Haddish has broken her silence. Last week, we updated you on the ongoing story involving a 22-year-old woman who is suing Haddish and comedian Ari Spears on behalf of herself and her younger brother, and just a warning, as this story does involve details of sexual abuse allegations. In court documents obtained by People, the woman alleges that Haddish, quote, groomed her and her brother, leaving them, quote, traumatized for life. The woman who filed the suit claims that she was 14 when Haddish took her to the taping of a, quote, sexually suggestive Subways commercial, and she was allegedly shown how to perform sex acts. The plaintiff also claims her younger brother was molested by Spears in 2014 after Haddish said he would be taping a reel for Nickelodeon at Spears' home. The court documents claim Haddish witnessed the alleged incident involving her brother and, quote, aided, abetted, and watched Spears sexually molest a child. In a statement on Instagram yesterday morning, the Girls Trip star addressed the allegations, saying, quote, I know people have a bunch of questions. I get it. I'm right there with you. Unfortunately, because there is an ongoing legal case, there's very little that I can say right now. But clearly, while this sketch was intended to be comedic, it wasn't funny at all, and I deeply regret having agreed to act in it. I really look forward to being able to share a lot more about the situation as soon as I can. Now, in her statement, Haddish references a sketch that was posted to funnyordie.com following the alleged interactions with the plaintiffs. In the wake of this news, the popular comedy site released a statement of their own to people, saying, quote, Funny or Die found this video absolutely disgusting and would never produce such content. We were not involved with the conceptualization, development, funding, or production of this video. It was uploaded to the site as user-generated content and was removed in 2018 immediately after becoming aware of its existence. Both of the plaintiffs in the case have chosen to remain anonymous and were underage when the alleged incidents took place. We will continue to follow the story as it develops. Moving on to some red table talk in a clip of tomorrow's episode that was shared exclusively with People, former Nickelodeon star Jeanette McCurdy is sitting down with Jada Pinkett Smith, Willow Smith, and Adrian Banfield Norris, or Gammy as fans know her. And per a press release, McCurdy is opening up about the quote decades of torment, exploitation, and manipulation inflicted by her very own mother. So McCurdy's mom Debbie died of cancer in 2013, and as we've covered in her new memoir, I'm glad. My Mom Died, the iCarly alum looks back at childhood fame and her past struggles. In the upcoming RTT episode, though, McCurdy reads aloud an email that her mother Debbie once sent to her. And you guys, stop whatever you're doing and listen to this.
1: Dear Net, I am so disappointed in you. You used to be my perfect little angel, but now you are nothing more than a little, all caps, slut, Mm. a floozy, all used up. And to think, you wasted it on that hideous ogre of a man. I saw the pictures on a website called TMZ. Add that to the list of things you are. Liar, conniving, evil. You look pudgier too. It's clear you're eating your guilt. Thinking of you with this ding dong inside of you makes me sick, sick. I raised you better than this. What happened to my good little girl? Where did she go? And who is this monster that has replaced her? You're an ugly monster now. I told your brothers about you and they all said they disown you just like I do. We want nothing to do with you. Love, mom. Or should I say Deb since I am no longer your mother. P.S. Send money for a new fridge, ours broke.
0: The P.S. send money for a new fridge. I mean, wow, just wow. Everyone at the table has their jaw on the floor. The new episode of Red Table Talk will be available on Facebook Watch tomorrow. And I cannot wait to watch the whole thing for myself. And now, if you thought vacation season was over, think again, because it's time to take a little trip to Italy and recap everything that happened at the Venice Film Festival, and of course, the ongoing drama behind the big film of the festival this year, Don't Worry Darling. It was a long, enjoyable holiday weekend. Some of you maybe went to the beach. Some of you maybe went out of town to visit family, friends, whatever. But Hollywood's biggest stars went to the Venice Film Festival in Italy. The fashion, the never-ending tea pouring out of the film Don't Worry Darling. Harry Styles spitting on American treasure Chris Pine. Maybe? Did he? (laughs) Twitter is ablaze as we currently speak. So joining me now to do just that is People's Platforms director, Michelle Corston. Hey, Michelle.
1: Hi, Janine. What a newsy holiday weekend.
0: Right? So yesterday, Don't Worry Darling premiered at the festival. And as Harry was taking a seat in the theater next to Chris, people are convinced that the singer spit on him. Yep. The video is everywhere. Go check it out. But what are your thoughts?
1: I have examined every social media clip of this from every angle, slow motion, zoomed in. Like, I'm really trying to investigate. I have to be honest. I didn't see it at first. But once you know to look for it, it does kind of look like he spit on him. However, I think that would be insane. I think it it didn't happen. Like, if it happened, (laughs) it was accidental. Harry is not that kind of guy i think maybe chris's facial reactions were more about like the awkwardness of sitting in between harry and olivia and knowing that that was going to be what everyone was watching if harry spit on chris pine i cannot stand any longer and i don't want to make that decision so i'm going to say it's a hoax
0: i'm gonna ride with you that it didn't happen it's kind of movie video magic Now, a rep for Chris Pine did release a statement to people earlier saying that, quote, Harry Styles did not spit on him and that it was all just made up to stir up drama, but we'll let you all decide for yourselves. Now, earlier in the day, before this premiere even happened, Harry and Chris joined director Olivia Wilde and their other co-star, Jimmy Chan, for a press conference for the film. And as we all know, the movie has been plagued with rumors that Olivia and her leading lady, Florence Pugh, who was not at the press conference, uh, didn't get along. And Olivia addressed those rumors yesterday. Here's a little of what she said. As for all the endless tabloid gossip and all the noise out there. I mean, the internet feeds itself. I don't feel the need to contribute. I think it's sufficiently well-nourished.
1: She said that Florence was like not planned to be at the press conference because she's filming the Dune sequel. And she kind of like praised Florence for even finding time in that busy production schedule to make it to the screening later that night. She called Florence a force which can be interpreted multiple ways, but she definitely was just like lauding her acting chops and saying she's grateful to her and called her amazing in the movie. So like she very much was focusing on praising Florence's acting. She didn't dispel necessarily or comment on their personal dynamic. It's all incredibly fascinating. And I think Florence has played everything so well and that she's just not talking about it and anytime she's photographed like she's just having the time of her life i mean she's the main character she kind of said like it's annoying that the clips of like their sex scenes were like going viral but it's kind of what you get when you cast harry styles (laughs) like his fans are are fervent and i think ultimately they will help contribute to the box office numbers
0: so let's talk about florence and olivia together on the carpet not making eye contact that happened right
1: I think that they must have known that every movement was going to be dissected and analyzed. So clearly there's some type of tension, like just because of everything that's going on. But I think, again, they played it well. Like it's almost better to not give people a moment, but you know, all of this like gossip and speculation, it's not coming out of nowhere.
0: (laughs) Well, can we take a moment for Florence's gown?
1: Florence looked absolutely stunning. She was wearing this super sexy, super sparkly, kind of off the shoulder sheer Valentino gown. It had a train, it had a bodice, it had these like romantic puffy sleeves. I mean, she just looked like a star.
0: Well, before I let you go, we have to talk about the other big moments from the festival. Timothy Chalamet was in Italy for the premiere of his new film, Bones and All. And this amazing all red outfit that he debuted on the carpet, the backless shirt. I mean, come on. And someone else who is getting their flowers is actor Brendan Fraser. He was there promoting his film, The Whale. And he's receiving so much praise for it, including from the film's director, Darren Aronofsky, who said it took him 10 years to make the movie because it took him 10 years to cast the movie. And it wasn't until he saw Brendan in a trailer for another movie that a light bulb went off. But is it true the movie, you know, got a six-minute standing ovation?
1: That is true. And these kind of standing ovations are like a big deal. All at these film festivals. They like indicate how much everybody loved it. And it's just like tradition. He hadn't had a leading role since 2013. And he was absolutely moved to tears. It almost seems like he couldn't believe just how happy everyone was with his performance. I mean, it's a very emotional movie from what we hear. He underwent an incredible physical transformation, gained a lot of weight, play a 600-pound reclusive man who's trying to reconnect with his daughter, played by Sadie Sink, who we love from Stranger Things. And yeah, it was just like a really
0: sweet moment. This is great. (laughs) Michelle, it was so fun talking about all of this with you. Thank you for coming on to discuss it. Absolutely. Anytime. Mm. This week, Bachelor Nation is being treated to two nights of Bachelorette drama. And coming up, to bring us up to speed on all things Fantasy Suites week, before tonight's episode, we are joined by Bachelor alum and host, Jesse Palmer. But first, it's been a busy few days over in the UK. Queen Elizabeth appointed Liz Truss from her royal residence in Scotland, marking the first time the monarchy has done so north of the Anglo-Scottish border. And Meghan Markle and Prince Harry made an appearance at the One Young World's summit in manchester after the break we catch you up to speed with megan and harry and we recap megan's recent podcast conversation with mindy kaling we'll be right back discover why critics are calling kingdom of the planet of the apes the best film of the franchise
1: what a wonderful day
0: it's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible We are back, and so were Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Over the weekend, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex made an appearance at the One Young World Summit in Manchester, which marked their first joint working visit in England since stepping back from their senior royal titles in March of 2020. After participating in a private roundtable on gender equality earlier in the day, Meghan and Harry were greeted with cheers as they stepped onto the stage. Meghan has been a One Young World counselor since 2014, and the flagship event unites activists, humanitarians, world leaders, business executives, entrepreneurs, politicians, and innovators to come together to confront the biggest challenges facing humanity. Megan and Harry then traveled to Susseldorf, Germany to mark the one-year countdown to the Invictus Games. The games, of course, are an international adaptive sports competition for injured, sick, and wounded service personnel and veterans, and they were first launched back in 2014 as a cause close to Prince Harry's heart. And now Now, in other news, actress and writer Mindy Kaling was this week's featured guest on Megan's Archetypes podcast. They have so much going on, where the Mindy Project creator opened up about raising two kids of her own. I have such a great relationship with my dad. You know, he is, we're so different from each other, but he is just, like, he is everything to me, and I, I do know that that would be so valuable for my kids, you know, that they have a dad. It wasn't our lot, you know, our family's lot in life. And I do think about it. Megan and Mindy were open and vulnerable with each other over their awkward adolescent years. Uh, Mindy talked about how she felt like she always was a spectator watching her high school and college friends have boyfriends and fall in love. And the Duchess of Sussex described herself as a, quote, ugly duckling. What? And shared how she didn't have anyone to eat lunch with, but would find ways to keep herself busy. I was always a little bit of a loner and really shy and didn't know where I fit in. And and so I just became, I was like,
1: okay, well then I'll become the president of the Multicultural Club and the president of Sophomore Class and the president of this and French Club. and And by doing that, I had meetings at lunchtime. Right, wow. So I didn't have to worry about who I would sit with or what I would do because I was always so busy. Right.
0: If you haven't listened to Archetypes yet, it's absolutely worth a listen. And that is your Royal UK Recap well my bachelor nation fans fantasy sweet week has arrived on the bachelorette our leading ladies rachel recchia and gabby wendy know how monumental this week is and they aren't playing around and as if the stakes weren't already at an all-time high last night's episode had a few i'm falling in love with you's <laughs> yep It did. But if you missed it, you are in luck because I'm here with host Jesse Palmer as he breaks down the most talked about moments from last night and how this season of the franchise has helped shape the future of the brand. Hi, Jesse. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be on. Awesome. Well, Mexico laid as the perfect backdrop for all things romance for the fantasy suites. Uh, Rachel's first overnight was with Avon, who put his heart on his sleeve, confessing his love for her, and she ultimately said she feels like this journey is working for her. But it wasn't paradise for everyone, right? Gabby sent Johnny home because he couldn't see himself engaged next week or so. And then in an unexpected surprise, Gabby received a note from Eric asking if they could meet, and he called her out expressing that he feels as though she cheated on him during the fantasy suite. Just wow. So what are your thoughts on what all went down last night? You know, having
2: lived it myself and having been in those shoes, I think everybody's very aware of where we are at this point in the journey and what's at stake. And I think for Gabby and Rachel, hopefully that's an engagement. Hopefully that's falling in love and finding their person. And I think from the men this season, at this point, we're sort of seeing an entire spectrum of feels. They're all in on their respective bachelorette and they are in love and they've fallen in love and and they're ready to get down on one knee. And then there are others that are getting cold feet and it's it's the time to be honest and be forward and, and really share how they feel. For both Gabby and Rachel, every single date, Every single overnight is just so critical and so important because it's so hard at this juncture to find clarity.
0: But what do you make of these cheating allegations?
2: You know, it's it's funny. It's something that I think has uh, polarized Bachelor Nation for years and years and years. This whole thought of an ultimatum, because that that's sometimes what it feels like and whether that's right or it's wrong. But I can also say for anybody that that when they finally get into that situation and they start feeling the way they feel about somebody, it becomes so much more real and and you can feel a certain way that's never expected. I think part of what upset Gabby so much was they had that conversation off camera. And the fact that I think he intended for that moment to be a good moment to tell her, hey, I miss you and this is how I feel about you and I'm in love and, and here's what my hopes are. But to have all that put back in front of camera, I think that sort of blindsided Gabby and sort of put her on the spot. And so I can completely understand and appreciate how Gabby felt in that situation. And what we're going to see next is what's the fallout of that? Because I do think there was a bit of a feeling of betrayal that Gabby was feeling in that moment. And I can completely appreciate and understand that.
0: Let's take a trip down memory lane. When Clayton Eckard was the bachelor, he landed in hot water when he told Gabby and Rachel he was in love with both of them. And we all know how that ended. And ironically, on last night's episode, Gabby and Rachel told some of their suitors that they are falling in love with them. Maybe the falling is that, that caveat there, but what do you think motivated Gabby and Rachel to do this on their own season, especially considering the heartbreak that they each had?
2: I think for both of them right now, they're trying to find clarity. It's a balance act at this point between expressing how you feel, finding the right timing, not misleading anybody. And I think they're both trying to be very, very careful about that. But you can see it's hard because they both are really feeling strong feelings and they are are indeed falling in love with multiple people. And I think that's part of what makes the fantasy suite this time in the journey so tricky and so difficult.
0: It's undoubtedly been a historic season for Bachelor Nation. I mean, led by two Bachelorettes the whole time, Rachel and Gabby. So rightfully so. There are critics, though, who believe the two Bachelorette format isn't sensible. So thinking about the success of the show from the very beginning, do you see this format being played out again in the future?
2: One of the things I've really appreciated about this past season of The Bachelorette is just the friendship between Gabby and Rachel and the love they have for each other that's really helped support each other. They've been there to confide in one another and help each other through their respective highs and lows. Having you know lived it myself, sometimes I wish I would have had a buddy that I could have, I could have talked to throughout the process. I know that the franchise yeah. is always trying to do new things to try to make it feel fresh and, and, and provide different perspectives on everything. Obviously, these Ooh. decisions are way out of my pay grade. <laughs> I don't make them, <laughs> but it wouldn't surprise me if down the road, if we did one day potentially see two bachelors in the same season. I am such big fans of both Gabby and Rachel. Just again, kind of being in the background, watching them and how they've supported each other, I just could not be more proud of them and more in awe of both of them. So for me, this has really been a special experience. And I feel lucky to have, to have been on this journey with, with two incredible women.
0: Have you had any deja vu moments while hosting?
2: I, I did. There, there, there are deja vu moments and there are PTSD moments as well. It's usually the rose ceremonies because, of course, I forgot somebody's name at, at my very first rose ceremony back, back on my season. So I'm always sitting there and I'm watching and, I'm, I'm, you know, of course, I have to be there at the rose ceremony and I'm always like, oh, my God. But, you know, I think Fantasy Suites is a great example as well. I mean, I'm. I'm Yeah. Again, like I'm sort of reliving the the entire spectrum and the roller coaster because I'm so excited for both Gabby and Rachel because I know what's on the horizon if everything goes well. But then I'm also reminded of how tough this is.
0: Love it. Well, Jesse, we're friends, right? Is there anything you can tease for me?
2: Expect the unexpected. There's more emotion. There's a lot more drama still to come. So much happens in these final days in these final moments and these final dates in Mexico. This whole thing has been historic, obviously, having two bachelorettes. They've taken total control, and they're going to make the decisions at the end of the day that, that they feel is going to lead to their own
0: happiness. The Bachelorette, you guys, continues tonight on ABC, and the two-part live finale event of The Bachelorette airs Tuesday, September 13th from 8 to 10 p.m. ET, and Tuesday, September 20th from 8 to 11 ET on ABC. And Jesse, thank you so much for being here and taking us through it. Thank you. All right, guys. Yesterday marked the unofficial end of summer, and what's You know, one final family vacation without a crying kid in the back seat, right? Over the weekend, Bravo host Andy Cohen took his family out of the city for one last weekend of fun in the sun. And like many families out there, he was treated to a toddler meltdown.
2: Ben, you just watched Bob the Builder for six hours while I packed the car up. You can't want to watch more. We're going back to the city. You've been wanting to go back to the city. What? Okay, 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 everyone. All right, vacation's over. I know it's been fun, but vacation's over, okay?
0: That's Andy's three-year-old son, Ben. And as someone who's taken some long road trips with some overly tired toddlers, I have absolutely been there before. In the video, you see Andy smiling and making light of the situation the best he can. Then Cohen shares a clip from three minutes later, where it seems like the storm has finally ended and little Ben is perfectly fine and happy.
2: You got it out of your system? Okay. Well, you what? I was You were
0: just kidding. <laughs> wow. That was some joke, my man. I mean, if that's not the most relatable experience for all of you parents out there, then I don't know what is. I'm only laughing because I'm glad it happened to Andy Cohen and not me this time. Well, thank you all for listening again today. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for our midweek episode of People Every Day.